the power of God is sort of bigger than the power of nature, and that God is in control of nature. And you see that not only with the whale, but you actually see that when Jonah gets thrown into the water and the waves suddenly stop. I mean, that that's miraculous too. Like imagine being able to stop a storm just like that. Welcome to The Search Podcast, where we have conversations about the big questions of God and life. I'm your host, Blaine Larson, and today we get to talk about a very intriguing topic. Was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Mike Donahue from Search Baltimore is going to help us unpack that. Mike, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It is great to be back with you again, Blaine, and thanks for picking all these easy questions to have me (laughs) weigh in on. We give you the simple ones. (laughs) Yes, Um, you do. Yeah, so here's how I want to set this up. I get to play the devil's advocate, as it were, or the the skeptic, okay? Because this is what I hear a lot, and I have heard a lot in, I can't tell you how many conversations, but... Here's how it's said to me. All right, so you're telling me I'm supposed to believe the Bible and what it says about Jesus, and it's reliable, and if I believe this message contained in this book, then I will have eternal life. So it's a really important message contained in this book that determines the outcome of my eternity. But in this book, there's a story about a guy who gets swallowed by a whale, lives in his stomach for three days, is vomited out on the beach, and lives, and that's in this book that I'm supposed to trust. That doesn't seem to be believable. How can something so weird be in a book that you're asking me to believe contains the message for my eternal destiny? That's how it's said to me a lot, Mike. And so I I just want to start there by going, what do we say? I think the first thing I'd say is you and I agree on something, which is Miracles are hard to believe, right? I mean, if, if this if this account of Jonah is to believed, it's miraculous that some man lived in the belly of a fish and was vomited up on a shore and preached a message of repentance to an enemy nation and they all believed it. It's it is, it's it's difficult to believe. And I would say I'm right there with you in saying miracles are hard to believe. You know why? Because they should be. They're they're acts of God that sort of um, not defy in terms of break the laws of nature, but they're bigger than the laws of nature and they're not regular occurrences. And because of that, you know, we all sort of, I think, have a level of skepticism about about the the miraculous stuff in the Bible. But I, 
But I, so I'd start with that. I'd say, I'm with you. This, it, it, it's challenging to believe. But I guess I would go back to you and say, well, if you're willing to believe a lot of what I've said about there's a God who made this universe and he's personal and he's got intention and design and plans and can do things, wouldn't that at least open your mind up to the fact that miracles are possible? Like, so I, I, again, I know you get to ask all the questions, but it's hard for me (laughs) not to fire back to you and ask you that question. Are you dismissing the miraculous out of hand or is it, is it this specific story that you find um, so difficult to swallow? so to speak, like the fish might have found Jonah difficult to swallow, or you finding this <laughs> specific story difficult to swallow? Well, usually, and I'll break character here, but usually it's this specific story is yeah. just difficult to swallow. The idea philosophically of miracles, maybe not quite as much, but come on, man, a guy swallowed by a, I mean, the whole, it just, it's, it's odd, right? That's, that's more yeah. of what I hear. And um, I think that's a great initial response, Mike. And so, obviously, we're going to unpack this whole question throughout the podcast. So, why don't we start uh, here, though, because one of the things about this story that always intrigues me is when it's said the way that we've just been talking about it, uh, you'd think that the whole book is about Jonah getting swallowed by the whale, and that's that's what it is. There's a whole book in the Bible, and that's all it is. But it's not. It's that's one piece. It's a part of a whole story. And so maybe what we can do is if if you just can set the historical context for the book of Jonah, and then if you were to give us a flyby of the whole story, not just the whale part, uh, what is it? Well, sure, and I. I'm really glad you're sort of pulling back from the whale, right? Because there is more to see than just a whale, although it's kind of hard to look past a whale, you know. But um, <laughs> but like that, you know, if you pull back, right? I mean, the, there's not a lot of outside references to this person, Jonah. Um, there is something in Second Kings that they think is referring to the prophet Jonah. And the thought is that he kind of had his career in the 700s BC, so 700 years before the arrival of Christ. And at that particular time in world history, there was a nation a nation state called Assyria, which is now in sort of modern day Iraq, that was Iraq and Iran area that was... Uh, the bully on the block, so to speak. And they were sort of conquering all the other nations and stuff like that. And so even though it was a fair distance from Israel where Jonah would have been, they were the nation that was everybody was afraid of. And, and rightfully so, because in 722 BC, Assyria comes down and takes over conquers the northern part of Israel. So Jonah is prophesying during this time and and hence going to Nineveh, which is right there in Assyria. The capital of Assyria would have not been a place he would have wanted to go. And um, 
they would, and the, the Assyrians would not have been a group of people he would have thought highly of. And so that's sort of the historical context. The only other context I'd like to just throw in kind of initially that I do think runs throughout the book and people often miss it. But in the beginning of Jonah, when Jonah gets on the boat, and I'm, I, for our listeners' sake, we're going to assume a certain knowledge of the, the flow of the book. But Jonah gets on the boat to flee and to go the opposite direction of where God would want him to go. He go, goes to the instead of going heading towards Iraq and Iran from Israel, he jumps and goes into the Mediterranean Sea, you know, and he, he get, you know, he gets in there and he, when the people, when the big storm kicks up and some of the sailors say, who are you? And he says, well, you know, I'm Jonah and I serve the God. And he says this, and I think this is really good, that the Lord who made the earth and the sea and everything in it. And so one of the contexts that runs through Jonah, and it sort of makes a little more sense of the whale, is that there are, there are se- several different occurrences where the power of God is sort of bigger than the power of nature, and that God is in control of nature. And you see that not only with the whale, but you actually see that when Jonah gets thrown into the water and the waves suddenly stop. I mean, that that's miraculous too. Like imagine being able to stop a storm just like that. And, and you also see it later on when God causes this plant to grow up. Now, some people say that there are plants that grow super fast in a day, but but it seems fairly miraculous that God provides this shade for Jonah later and then the next day causes the plant to die. And But there's this sort of this undercurrent of a theme that, that this is God's created world and he is in control of it and has the capacity to do what he wishes with it, which kind of gets back to that original question you and I had. And, I, and I'll stop here because I don't want to talk too long. But when you talk to me about miracles— you know, miracles are not a violation of the laws of nature. They're just uh, sort of a superseding of them. They're a higher law kind of overseeing, over, coming in above a lower law. And the best way I like to illustrate that is, look, you know, if you fall off the, a, a building, the law of gravity will make you fall down. But if you jump off that same building with wings or whatever, you know, certain wings that work for you, the law of aerodynamics will supersede the law of gravity. And in many, and, and I think that the Jonah, the book of Jonah is trying to help us see that if we live in a world created by God, he has the capacity to supersede the laws of nature and sometimes will for his own purposes and reasons, not just to make our life fun or easy, but for his own purposes and reasons. And that really is a theme running through. And, and, and so then the fish sort of fits in that theme. Um, so that's where I would start. If, if that gives, I hope that gives you a little more context to the story. Yeah, it does. It's really good, Mike. And you bring up some, you talk about a theme of a book, and it makes me think back to, I actually, a number of years ago, I studied the book of Jonah in pretty great depth. And one mm-hmm. of the things that you'll find, and I'd encourage people actually to go, go read, it's four chapters. I mean, you could read Jonah in 10 minutes. Yeah, so, see, I literally can't. I just did that this week in preparing for this. Yeah, so you're right. Ten you, minutes. And what, what's amazing, and you'll you'll miss it, 
But if you really live in this book for a while, and especially if you read some uh, writings some about the book, commentaries, so forth. But I did a mm-hmm. um, a study of it literarily, its structure, and it is a highly Im- impressive book. It is highly organized, structured. Right. Every word is thought out. And the more you study it, the more you see these themes and connections. And it is from, whether it's history or not, set that aside for the moment. It is mm-hmm. an amazing piece of writing. And and so you don't want to miss that as you're trying to understand, okay, what is this thing? I, I would, I, I want to so jump on that because I think you're right. It's an amazing piece of work and it's stuck. Think about this. It was written thousands upon thousands of years ago. One of the reasons the objection is what it is, is because the story sticks in people's minds. It sticks in your mind. It just graphically grabs you and holds you. And, and, and um, so, yeah, it's a powerful work in its own right. And I agree with you. It, it really does hang together well. So, so give us just the, the basic 30,000-foot flyover. What's the narrative? What's the basic story of Jonah, if you were to sum it so up? So Jonah's a prophet. God calls him to go to Nineveh to tell the people to repent because he's going to destroy them. Jonah doesn't want to do it. He goes, he, like, like many, many prophets, Jonah just can't heed the call of God. And, and it seems like what God is asking him to do is too difficult. So Jonah goes the other way, tries to flee, gets on a boat, a big storm comes up. Um, he tells the sailors, this storm is my fault. Throw me in the water. They, they hedge a little bit, but then they eventually do. They throw him in. He gets swallowed by a whale. Jonah comes to this awareness that what he's been doing is wrong, and he repents of what he what he's done and, and in the belly of the whale. And so then God directs the fish to kind of throw him up on the shore. Jonah then goes to Nineveh. He preaches, takes him several days. Uh, the people do repent, and that upsets Jonah because he's like, God, I knew you were a merciful God, and I knew if you they repented, you'd have mercy on them, and I don't want you to have mercy on these people. And one of the and and one of the cool things about Jonah is it ends with a question. It doesn't end. The story isn't tied up in a neat bow. That question of Jonah's sort of arrogance sort of hangs over the book and Jonah's refusal to allow God's mercy to spread beyond just his chosen people, so to speak, just sort of hangs there. And God says, why would you not want me to be merciful? And so one of the most powerful and profound things about this book of Jonah is it really shows the universal heart of God for all people. And it's amazing how offensive that can be to religious people. And and Jonah sort of is the type of, for the religious people that don't want God's mercy to spread widely in that way. And the book is sort of ends with the question of like, why not? Why, why are you opposed to God's mercy on these people? So that's the 
30,000 foot overview. It took a, about, it almost took as long as it would have took to read the book. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. And you, all right, all you, right. it's really good. You bring up a great point, though, too, which is Jonah is not a hero in this story, which is no. often missed. Uh, Jonah is a bad—I mean, that's what part of what makes it an interesting story, literarily, is that the— mm-hmm. The guy who the book's named after and the main character is the bad guy, which then you kind of have to go, well, who's the protagonist, you know? And it's God, you know? It's God, I think it's God, because Jonah's not the good guy. But anyway, it's it's just fascinating, so— It's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know? Like, am I rooting for this guy or am I not (laughs) rooting for this guy, right? Yeah, and uh, don't yeah. name your kids Jonah, by the way, or read the yeah. book before you do. That's just uh, that's right observation. That's right. Uh, okay, yeah. so now we, I think we set a, a a good foundation here. I want to move into this question of historicity and how should we understand it. And so, why would what are the arguments for this not being something we should take literally, Mike? I mean, there are some. To be honest, um, you, you know, there, it doesn't seem to be as historical, you know, and it has fewer connections to places and in and, and time and space. And, you know, contrast that like with the Gospels that's, that are so concretely tied to the time and space of first century, you know, first century Jerusalem and the history and all that stuff. It's a little uh, more, less rooted historically. Although I would say there's enough there that I, I'm not sure how much I agree with that critique. I mean, you're talking, you're still talking about the nation of Assyria. You're still talking about this guy, Jonah, who's referenced other places in the Bible. So, but some people use that um, sort of its timelessness as a way to say it's not meant to be taken literally. Um, the other time, the others are quite frankly, the, the, uh, the, the miracles are hard for people to swallow. And we sort of touched on you know, the answer to that objection, but still people bring that up. It sort of reads like a fairy tale with these miracles. And so how are we supposed to take that literally? And then the other one that is that is somewhat challenging is the repentance of the people of Nineveh. I mean, it, it seems pretty dramatic. It ends the people all listen to what Jonah has to say and they all repent. And, and I guess one of the questions is knowing the history of the nation of Assyria later on, how long was that repentance? How valid was it? Is there any historical record of Nineveh repenting, as it were? Not that I know how you would have that, but those would be some of the objections that say, you know, it's not meant to be read literally. It's meant to be read as a story. Um, What about the flip side? What's the what are some of the arguments for the historicity of this story? Well, like I said, I mean, I think the first is a lot of the objections to its historicity, historicity are based on the miraculous nature of it, which is really a philosophical objection. It's not a historical objection. If you're philosophically opposed to miracles, then nothing that includes a miracle will ever be historical. So unless you deal with the philosophical objection, you can't move any farther. And we kind of talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say again, you know, that, so if you, if you believe that there's a God who acts and acts of God are possible, then Jonah seems to, you know, clearly say, look, the 
one of the themes of this book is that, yeah, God is over nature. And even in Jonah chapter two, verse one, it says God specifically prepared this fish, you know? And so, okay, God could have, it's, 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 I don't, ex, I don't expect to be swallowed by a whale and live, you know, I don't, and I don't expect you to, but if God specifically prepared this certain fish for this certain role, then that could be possible. And it seems to be saying that this is not a universal occurrence. This is sort of a one-time event. To me, all of that, again, is somewhat philosophical. To me, the strongest reason I lean in the historical camp is that Jesus seems to think Jonah was real. In Matthew 12, in Matthew 12 and in Luke 11, Jesus refers to Noah, uh, Jonah and talks about, you know, the sign of Jonah and, and specifically alludes to the three days in the belly of the whale. And he treats it. He doesn't say, now we all know that's just a story. Um, he treats it as a, as a historical event. And even more importantly, he treats it as a historical event that points to an even more important historical event, which is the three days that Jesus goes into the belly of the earth, as it were, through through his death and 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 is ultimately raised up. And he talks about what happened to Jonah was really a precursor of the miracle that's going to happen to me. And so those would be the reasons that for where I sit you know, and as a follower of Jesus, I'll probably err on his interpretation of this book. And he seems to treat it as a, as a historical account, again, that has great relevance because it ultimately points to his death and resurrection. Well, I think everybody is shocked that you went with Jesus's interpretation, first of all, surprising. Uh, I should have come up with my own, (laughs) but that'd be more interesting. It, it, well, it might be. It might be. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. so uh, you did a great job laying out really pros and cons for historicity. Mike, of course, mm-hmm. people can go – how much ink has been spilled on this, right? You can go read and check it right. out for yourself. Um, here's I want to wind up the podcast here, and I think this is the most important question of yep. the whole thing, which is if somebody's listening to us, they're investigating Jesus. They're investigating Christianity. They're curious. They want to know, is this really for real? And they've got genuine questions about Jonah because of the way mm-hmm. I started this podcast. I mean, it's a real thing to go, seriously, a book that has that? I'm supposed to trust my life, you know, to this thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, should this topic, should this even matter to somebody who – is still trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. Like, what would you say to that person who's in that spot and they have they have questions about Jesus and the Bible because of this story? Yeah, that's a great question, Blaine, and I think an important one. And I often say to people that are struggling with stuff like this, and I understand the struggle because it's it is a it's a difficult one to figure out. My best advice is to say, give as much of you as you can to as much of Jesus as you understand. And that, you know, the Bible is a fantastic book and it's how we know about Jesus and it's how we 
um, growing our faith and it's God's word and all of that stuff is is powerful. But we don't just believe in a book. We believe in a real live Jesus who through his spirit is available to us even now. And my hope and my prayer for you is that as you continue to grow in your um, faith in Christ and your understanding of him, you will find it easier to believe some of these things that you find challenging at this point. But I wouldn't throw out Jesus just for something like this that in your mind feels incomprehensible because there's so much about Jesus that I think you can give yourself to. So that would be my advice um, to someone who is struggling with that. I think it's good advice, and I think that we've been able to give at least a little bit more information and context and history and pros and cons to how to take Jonah. So, Mike, this has been a fun podcast. Thank you for uh, all the things that you shared with us. That's great. Great being with you, Blaine, and thanks for inviting me on. You are very welcome. And I want to thank everyone for listening to The Search Podcast. If you enjoy what we're doing here, uh, give us a rating, a review. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, that would be incredibly helpful. And if you've got a thought, question, comment, anything you want us to know about, send us an email. Please do it. Podcast at searchnational.org. And until next time, thanks for listening.